get the two for one, and then they had to foul the moment it hit Draymond. Green wins the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot. Welcome to the CP43 Podcast with Christian Panigos and Jack Bergamini, where we talk about basketball with nothing but the facts. CP43 is back. I'm joined again here with Jack. Jack, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. What's up? Uh, just before we start off this uh, another great week of NBA basketball, I want to give a quick shout-out to Rise Soccer on a phenomenal season. You guys put your hearts out, and you were the best team Rise ever had in soccer. And we're rooting for Rise Football this week in the section in uh, the state semifinals when it goes to the carry dome but enough of that our focus for this episode is the david fizdale situation in new york paul george returning to the clippers and Kamala anthony returning along with many other things those were the three biggest headlines of the nba this past week jack what do you i know you have some very interesting uh stance on the david fizdale situation can you explain it to us yeah, so I think it all goes back to um, the management above David Fisdale. I mean, I, I know David Fisdale is probably not the best fit for this New York Knicks team, but I mean, what do you expect when you have a management that puts together a team with who signs four power forwards in the offseason that are about all at the same skill level, and then they sign multiple veterans who played the same positions as many of the young players on the Knicks? I mean, that's a very hard task for a head coach, and it's hard for him to balance all of the minutes because does he want the pl- younger players to play more? Or does he want those veterans to get those minutes in the later end of their career so they don't become angry at the team as a whole? And it all depends about what Steve Mills and Scott Perry are telling David Fisdale. Do, are they telling him they want them? They want him to play the young guys or the veterans? What are your thoughts? Well, I just want to talk about a different stance on David Fisdale. If you look at what he's done to some NBA players' career, he torched Marcus Saul, the greatest grizzly ever. People hate him for that. Uh, he said Dennis Cantor was too old to be playing when the Knicks were the worst team in the league and he was their best player. So you hate him for that. Some people describe him as a locker room cancer. So that's what I think is a bigger issue. I do understand that New York Knicks completely struck out in free agency this year. They completely bombed on Kevin Durant, completely bombed on Kyrie Irving. But David Fisdale, you could have managed the situation better. Why can't you just play the veterans, minutes that you deserve? Why do you – you always talk about how you didn't want to give Kevin Knox a starting role last a start last year because you wanted him to earn everything. But why aren't these veterans earning anything? They haven't done – you You pick and choose what's convenient for you at certain times. And I think that's the biggest problem with you. I don't think that – I agree the talent is not there 100%, but I think that you're very inconsistent with your uh, stances on things. That's kind of what I'm saying, though. Is it the management that's forced him to play these veterans? Because we know David Fisdale, maybe he would like to play these young guys. Maybe he would want to try to develop um, Kevin Knox. Because, But we have really haven't seen Scott Perry and Steve Mills ever make a really good decision. It's almost as if, yeah, this past offseason, they had the mindset of, okay, we're going to compete. We've been bad for too long. We're going to sign KD. We're going to sign Kyrie. We're going to compete. And then when they didn't sign those guys, they still had that mindset. They didn't change it. They, they still thought, okay, we're going to compete. We're just going to sign these other veterans. We're just going to get all these new guys, and we're still going to compete, even without those two superstars. But that's just obviously not working because they don't have the talent to do so. And so if that's still their mindset and they're still telling David Fisto, yeah, we want to compete, that means David Fisto was going to put in these veterans who are maybe slightly better than these young players at this point in their career, but these young players have way more potential than these veterans, and they should be getting those minutes. I think it just goes, all goes back to that management up top and how they have the wrong mindset of this, upco- of this current season. Well, I want to bring up this. I have a question for you. 
about David Fisdale and the Knicks. So he's had a trend tendency to put ice-cold players in at hard situations, and they take out the guys at hot. What do you explain to that in his rotations? To me, at this point in the season, with the Knicks not having a good record, it, it, it really doesn't make sense to me. He really just should he should be playing the guys who have the hot hand. Because those guys, let's see what they have to bring to the table. None of these guys on the Knicks roster right now are, is a star. So I think he should just be exploiting that, that potential that any player has. And if they have the hot hand, why not keep them in? You might probably won't win the game anyway. You're not making the playoffs. I don't see why not. It's not like any certain player needs to get a certain amount of minutes. Unless, of course, the management is telling them. Telling, telling David Fisdale that that is the case, but he should just go with the hot hand and go with what he feels who is playing the best. He, he needs to do what he thinks, and if he doesn't do that, I don't know. This, that's, that's, I think that's what, what we're seeing here. Well, I'm going to give just three, three examples right off the bat. So in the, one of the very beginning of the season, Wayne Ellington was going off for the New York Knicks against the Brooklyn Nets. The next game, David, he's played as well again. David Fitz just pulls him at the end, puts an ice-cold Julius Randle who choked the game before. The Knicks lose. Next game, Bobby Portis played outstanding, and there were Bobby Portis chants at the Garden, and David Fisdale pulls him again. And thank God he put him back in and got the Knicks their first win of the season. And then last night, I get, um, Wayne Ellington was ice-cold, and R.J. Barrett was playing outstanding. He was efficient for once. I know people have complained about R.J. Barrett's minutes, but then the one game where David Fisdale monitors him, and he plays well, he pulls him again, puts in Wayne Ellington, who was not playing well. His rotations don't make any sense. I agree, the talent is not, is, you can't blame it all on him for the lack of talent, because he's not the one signing the players. It's the front office putting them together. But he could handle players a little bit better. It just it makes no sense. He has no offensive schemes. I don't understand how you can fully say that it's just the management not signing players. But I don't, I don't know what the right situation is right now. Because I feel like if you fire David Fisdale, it would be the right move because he's proven that he's not really the coach, the right man for the job. But it also proves that the Knicks are an unstable organization. That's exactly not the memo that they want. Well, back to what you said before about him trying to force Julius Randle and, and taking out Bobby Portis and putting some of these big contract guys in the game to make to get them the points and the stats that they need. That all goes back to, again, the management and how these guys have big contracts. Just because these guys have big contracts and are going to be on the team for a while doesn't mean that they need to be the guys playing at the end of the game. As I said earlier, whoever has the hot hand, whoever is playing better that game, needs to be playing. Just look at the team across across the bridge, um, the Brooklyn Nets. They signed DeAndre Jordan this offseason on a four-year, $40 million deal. But does, that doesn't mean that they should just start him every single game, because they still start Jared Allen, the younger center, and he's much. He's definitely better at this point in his career. He's better than DeAndre Jordan, but DeAndre Jordan has been perfectly fine off the bench. And just because DeAndre Jordan has a longer contract and it was a big splash in the offseason does not mean Kenny Atkinson has to play DeAndre Jordan every single game, start him every single game, and finish the games. It's whoever is playing better that game, whoever is is causing the opponent more trouble. It's whoever's, whoever's just the better player in general. And this Knicks team, it's not even like they're contending, so it shouldn't matter who that you need to get the veterans in. It should just be the better player who's playing better that game because they're not competing for anything, just who the better player is that game. Yes, I agree with you 100%. I just don't understand what the what they're trying to accomplish right now. Are they trying to rebuild? Are they trying to win now? The Knicks are just so in no man's land. I just, I no one can really understand the direction they're trying to go through. And you're, you're right. If yeah. they fire Fisdale, it will look like they're unstable because they've had so many misfires with these head coaches these past few years. First, Derek Fisher, then Jeff Hornacek, Derek Kurt, Fisher, Kurt I just want to say, worst coach in the history of NBA. 
yeah, you don't you don't want to fire Fisdale, but again, there's no the, the team isn't doing well. But again, the team doesn't have the talent to do well. So who do you blame? Because Fisdale isn't really he's not really controlling the team. But the t- uh, it's it's a mess. It's a mess. I I really I think it all goes back to before when Scott Perry and Steve Mills hired Fisdale in the first place. I think there were a bunch of red flags originally because they had the option. I know you really like Mark Jackson. They had the option to hire Mark Jackson, the man who who developed Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. They had the option to hire that man. When instead they hired to, they decided to hire David Fisdale, who was known with his struggles with Marcus Sewell. And they were like, okay, Fisdale will be perfectly fine with Porzingis, and he he's the he's the man for this job. I'm not gonna again. I'm not gonna completely blame this on Fisdale, but I mean that just shows that the Knicks management, when the obvious choice was there, they didn't take it. I, that's a very good point you bring up. His relationship with destroying players, I don't. I feel like wasn't uh, brought up enough in the NBA media and the Knicks hiring. I think they just looked at him as a coach who brought it the the Grizzlies to the playoffs a few times. It really didn't do their full homework because if you just look at the record, it wasn't a bad hire. Do you agree with me on that one at least? It wasn't an awful hire, but he definitely w- wouldn't. He wasn't my first. Red flags, he wasn't my yeah. first choice, and I don't think he should have been the Knicks' first choice. Yeah, I agree with you on that. But I, it, the David Fisdale experiment, we could say, has completely blown up. And I, at the beginning of the year, there was a report saying that the New York Knicks already had grumblings in the locker room, and pretty much everybody just laughed it off. But it's true. They're just an unstable organization, and David Fisdale is just another, um, is more proof in the pudding. Yeah, Steve Mills and Scott Perry, they can keep hiring and firing these head coaches every two years like they have for the past six years, but until they're gone... The team will never be successful. They th- this has been a repeating pattern. History repeats itself. Until they make a change up top, until James Dolan makes a change, believe it or not, this team is gonna stay at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. If I was the New York Knicks, last well, last thing about them, you can't fire James Dolan, even though how much we'd all love to. But I would fire David Fisdale and Steve Mills. I would keep Scott Perry. Scott Perry has put the Kings roster together. Everyone forgets that before he came to Sa- before he came to New York, he was with the Sacramento Kings. So I think that he I think he's a very smart mind and up and coming in the NBA. Steve Mills, I don't think the 29 other teams would hire him but the Knicks. He ran the Knicks into the ground earlier, but they hired him back. He the James he's hired play, people like Kurt Rambis and um, Derek Fisher and Jeff Hornacek. So I honestly just think that the Knicks should just get Steve Perry, promote him to um, the president of basketball operations, find someone, have Steve Perry f- hire the next uh, personnel, not James Dolan, and head coach, go get Mark Jackson. I mean, yeah, it is very confusing. They have they have Steve Mills and Scott Perry. Scott Perry is the GM. Steve Mills is president of basketball operations. Like, so what's the difference? I think that in some organizations that, yeah. that the power is the same. They both report to the owner. So that's where my guess is. But by title, that they are on the by title, Steve Mills is ahead of him. But I, every organization works differently, so I we can't speak fully on that. That's one. that's the problem there. You can't have these two guys because they're both going to have two different visions for the team, due to two different opinions about which trade they should make. They should just have one guy, one vision. Hopefully that vision's right. But this this is kind of this kind of looks like a bit of a power struggle here. So you need to get rid of one of them. Clearly, I think it should be Steve Mills, as Scott Perry has been with the team much shorter, and he hasn't really had a time to get his guys. So, yeah, I think definitely Steve Mills should go. Scott Perry, promote him to president of basketball operations, see what he can do with this team. Hopefully hopefully they'll be better in the future. If the New York Knicks can hire Masai Ujiri, go do that. That would be the best-case scenario. But 
Moving on from that, I think we want to talk about another big headline this week in the NBA, Carmelo Anthony returning to the NBA, signing with the Portland Trailblazers. This has been a move that was kind of rumored a few years back. Damian Lillard has tweeted some stuff saying he wants Melo on their team, but it never never came about. But finally, Melo is back in the NBA with, with the Portland Trailblazers. CP, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, I am so happy Mel- Carmelo Anthony is back. Carmelo Anthony is being blackballed by the NBA or for a almost a year now. Kamala Anthony is one of the greatest scorers to ever do it. He's a career average of 24 points a game. He's an amazing offensive rebounder. So what? Kamala Anthony has never been known to be a great defender. He's never known to be a 10-assist guy. You can never expect that. And I think the NBA was just using Melo as a scapegoat. Similarly, the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets had a bad start to the season last year. Kamala Anthony was finally accepting his role. His three-point percentage was high as it ever was. He was trying to play defense. He's not the best defender, obviously. And they were just upset so they picked Melo and Daryl Morey as you can see is a very big influencer in in base circles people think that people have described him as a uh, as a player meaning he just does whatever he th- on his mind is the first reaction and so far it has worked out for him but he's been the reason Kamala has not been in the NBA for this amount of time and I think the Portland Trailblazers are a perfect situation for him Melo is extremely motivated to prove to people that he deserved to be in the NBA they were a three point heavy team and Melo has said that he would just take the spot threes and play his role he has no problem with coming off the bench and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are two of the best leaders in the NBA they've been able to integrate so many players into their teams and I just think that there's it, there's no other better situation for him. Yeah, so Melo has kind of been in denial about him returning to the NBA for quite some time. Again, he could have gone to the big three the past two years. He could have, but he instead he just stuck to these offseason workouts and um, in that lifetime gym in the city. But, I mean, Melo, he finally got what he wanted. He, he did it his way, believe it or not. He didn't go to the big three. He kept training his way. And finally, the Trailblazers took a chance on Melo, a player who can, I think can definitely still play. Is not what he once was, but can definitely still play. And I really do think this is a much better situation because that Rockets team and the, that Thunder team the past few years, they didn't really need Melo. We, we, we saw that. They didn't need Melo. They had Russell Westbrook, Paul George on one team, and they had Chris Paul and James Harden on that one team. They didn't really need Melo. But this Trailblazers team, they're, they're struggling. They're struggling bad. I mean, they, they're really performing below expectations, as we talked about last week. And I think this mellow signing is really going to help them get a spark and just really reinvent their team. And I think this is what they needed, this this mellow signing. It's worth the risk, especially on a non-guaranteed contract. Yeah, you said that best, that the Trailblazers aren't playing well and Camelo Anthony is motivated just as they are. And I'm honestly so excited to see how this turns out because I think that Portland is a team that embraces um, what you what you call underdogs at times. Yeah, outsiders, underdogs. Yeah, yeah that's definitely. a good way to say it. And I feel like... I, it's hard to say, I, I mean, not hard to say, hard to believe that you could call Carmelo Anthony, a perennial 10-time All-Star, a, um underdog, but right now he is an underdog, and um, there's no other team like it, no other team better for him than the Trailblazers. So, Melo returned to the NBA, you know, want to know who else returned this week? Paul George returned to the Clippers, he's been performing greatly, he First two games, he had 37 points and 33 points. Yes, and he played 20 and 24 minutes in this game. And he shot, he made 10 for 17 and 10 for 19 in both games. 58% from the field in two games. And he's averaging 34 points a game. That is just outstanding. I, I'm telling you, the Los Angeles Clippers are the best and deepest team in the NBA. People forget that he plays defense. He's playing without Kawhi. Uh, and the Clippers won both games. Imagine when... No, 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 they lost the first game well, against, the, against, first against game the Pelicans. Against the Pelicans. Well, the Pelicans, 
that's a bad loss. I'll give him that. But yeah. when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are playing together, can you just imagine the tandem that's going to be offensively and defensively? I said it. I said it once that the Clippers are the best team in the NBA, and they're just proving it once again. Doc Rivers, amazing coach. The Clippers have had so much support from their bench players that that's just going so underrated. Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams and Pat Bev. I know Russell Westbrook came out with that comment the other day saying that Pat Bev's just tricking y'all. But Russell Westbrook, you can't talk at all. The Clippers, even though you won the game, the Clip, the Clippers could just have one awful night against against the Rockets, who are a, a good playoff team right now. And I think that with uh, Paul George coming back and playing so well, it's gonna add more motivation to prove that the Lakers that that they're uh, they're in city ro- or in arena rivals aren't the real kings of LA right now. Yeah, I really think it's huge that Paul George is back finally because with we know Kawhi and his load management. So that's going to be a problem. That would have been a problem for the Clippers if Kawhi kept sitting out multiple games and they didn't have Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. They were, the Clippers were starting to drop games, believe it or not. They are only 8-5. and five. They're not top three teams in, in the league record-wise right now. The Clippers and the Celtics are at the top. So I'm, I'm not saying that's that's going to affect them in the playoffs or anything, but it was kind of like start. I think they needed a kind of a pep in their step to get their, get their game back to where they can play. So with Paul George finally coming back, well, this is so when Kawhi Leonard doesn't play, Paul George can finally step up, and we've seen that. And Paul George made a comment. He said, "Yeah, it's like I have new shoulders. They're back. They're fully healthy. Everything's great." So this is a new Paul George we're seeing here. This is like Paul George two years ago when he was in the MVP contention. So I think this is this is great for the league. Paul George is finally back. I mean, Kawhi, we can see him and Kawhi Leonard play versus good teams and win games. But then when Kawhi Leonard needs to take the back seat, um, Paul George can step up. Yeah, I think that the Clippers right now are just in the perfect situation and that there's nothing that could stop them. But I'm really excited to see how this season ends up playing out because I think that when the Clippers and Lakers are both balling, that the NBA is just going to be better because as as a huge shift right now in basketball I'd love to talk about from that in the in the early 2000s, 90s, all the best players were coming from New York City and the Knicks were actually good for once and the Nets weren't in uh, Brooklyn they were in New Jersey but still they were competing and now the, the wave of the NBA of, in young players has shifted all towards Los Angeles with um, ESPN just announcing that they're going to air 15 Sierra Canyon games with, the, with Bronny James and Zyra Wade and I feel like basketball as a whole has made a whole shift to the West Coast to the East Coast and I think that when you have two uh, NBA teams especially the Lakers a historic franchise playing well that it's just going to bring more hype to basketball and I'm so excited to see how that all plays out this year okay so yeah that was a really good point right there but moving on from that we're going to go into our weekly pick pick three games predict two wins so our three games this week that we chose would be the best games were the Rockets versus Nuggets Rockets versus Clippers and Blazers versus the Bucks for the first game Rockets versus Nuggets CP who are you picking I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets on this one. I just really like the Denver Nuggets. Um, James Harden, you literally have to flip a coin for what type of game you're going to get out of him, and I, I just can't ever – there's no safe bet with him. I'm going to go with the Rockets just because I like them more than the Nuggets. I had them higher in the season. They they were actually playing really well. They are 8-3. and three. Him and Russell Westbrook have been meshing better than I expected, and I'm just going to go with them over the Nuggets, even though they have great defense. Next game, Rockets, Clippers. See who you picking? I'm picking the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both playing. I don't see any way how you can stop that. Plus the amazing defense the Clippers has. So there's no chance the Rockets win when they both play. Yeah, Rockets are certainly a popular pick with our games of the week. But I'm going to go yeah with the Clippers. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, a great tandem right there. This is going to be a really good game. This is my most anticipated game this week. I think it's going to go down to the wire. But I think Paul George is going to really show up in this game and just remind everyone he's one of the best players in the league. 
Next game, Blazers versus the Bucks. I'm, I'm taking the I'm gonna take the Bucks on this one. I think Giannis he's been performing at an MVP level. He's averaging what near 30 points per 30 points per game. I think the Blazers even with Melo that addition of Melo, it's gonna kind of be a learning curve right there. So I'm just gonna take the safe bet and go with the Bucks. Uh, for this game, I'm gonna go with the Portland Trailblazers. I think the Portland Trailblazers are gonna have a really spark with Carmelo Anthony. Even though it's gonna be an adjusting period, I think that they're gonna really go all out for the first game, and it's gonna be a great um, back to the NBA for Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, well, we'll see how those games go, and we, again, we will post polls on our Instagram so you guys will be able to vote. And just, I just want to reflect back on one of our polls this past week. We asked you guys. Do you think David Fisdale should be fired after starting the season off 2-9? and nine? 71% of you guys said yes, fire him immediately. And 29% of you guys said no, he needs more time. So, I mean, most most fans, I think, they kind of want him fired now. But there is definitely some controversy between should he stay or should he go. And I guess we'll have to see what the what the Knicks staff thinks. He's, he's, he's remained on the team the past five days since we posted this, so who knows? Yeah, that's a good point. I heard that if he did, the Knicks lost the Mavericks, he would have been fired immediately after that. And yeah, they, I heard that too. The, the Knicks have the Knicks somehow have the Mavericks number, and they can be competitive in games. It, it's proven though. Like, the Mavericks are a good team in the NBA, so it, it's really David Fisdale is such an odd coach in such an odd situation that we're really not going to know what happens till I'd say in March, which is crazy to say. Yeah, um, I think that concludes our today's episode, but uh, I think we want to mention next week we're going to have a special guest on the podcast. Christian, do you want to go into more depth about that? So our special guest on the podcast will be Jimmy Roberts from NBC Sports, and we're going to be talking about the journey of a broadcaster, and we are so excited for that, so please be on the lookout. That should be a great great time, great experience, but after, um, I think, think we're done here, so CP, we'll see you next week. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Signing off.